This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Last week, right here, right in this time slot, we were questioning Doug Ford's plan, at least as much of a plan as it is, his general outlook of what he would want to do as Premier of Ontario and how he might be able to save the money that he says he wants to save. Is that possible? We asked those questions and expressed some doubts about that. Well, because I'm not sure his math entirely adds up. I'll be honest with you on that one. But as an equal opportunity cynic and skeptic, uh, allow us, allow me today to look at the other two main political parties running that will be running in this spring's provincial election. Because we now have, if we didn't already, a bit of a clearer view of where they're going with this whole thing. Doug Ford wants to cut, says the province's economy is in disarray. We are $300 billion plus in debt. But anyway, on the weekend, NDP leader Andrea Horvath announced plans to offer free dental care to everybody and to forgive student debts in the form of grants if elected. And I'm sure those are lovely ideas. I'm sure they sound very generous, which they are. Today in a throne speech, the Kathleen Wynne Liberal government announced plans to cut waiting times in hospitals, to spend more on mental health, to expand free pharmacare to nearly everyone, spend more on childcare, and, and this was the part that really got my attention, deliver a free unicorn to every household in the province. Wait a second, that last one may have only been added by me. I may have gotten a little carried away. But it is wonderful to have all those things. But for a province more than 300, as I said a moment ago, more than $300 billion in debt and looking at going further into the red ink, is any of this prudent? Is any of this make sense? Is any of this doable? Well, I want to bring in someone to talk about this. He would have talked about this earlier today, but for the fact that the throne speech happened after he got off the air, which I know drove him nuts because there would be nothing that Bill Kelly would want to do more than to get in and have a few words about what is going on because there is nothing that happens in politics that Bill does not have an opinion on. Everyone, it is, of course, Bill Kelly, morning show host, 9 till 12 every day here on 900 CHML. And Bill, listen, you are, and I'm not blowing smoke, you are one of the savviest political commentators I know. You know your way around the world of politics when you look at what Andrea Horvath and Kathleen Wynne have done in the past couple days, are you seeing great, brilliant political machinations by caring politicians, or are you seeing a nakedly transparent attempt to buy votes with our own money? No, no, the, the, the message here is please, please give me your vote. Uh, don't worry how much it's going to cost. I'm going to give you everything you guys want. Uh, and, and Andrea was great at this. She's been like this. This is her third election now as leader of the NDP. And, and God bless Andrea. You know, we're going to have free dental care. You're going to have free prescription drugs. We're going to have free this. We're going to have free that. Don't worry. We're going to, you know, we're going to tax the rich, and we're going to make them pay for it and give it to the poor. And, and, you know, just like Andrea is always saying, hey, the liberals have taken our policies. Robin Hood is spinning in his grave right now and saying, that's my policy. <laughs> Steal from the rich, give to the poor. What the heck are you doing, Andrea? You know, it's the same old thing. It didn't work before because it just doesn't add up. You can't do that sort of thing. But, you know, God bless you. That's the, I, I, if, if nothing else, Andrea deserves marks for being consistent. Uh, it's, it's cost her the last two elections, and I guess she's going for the, the, the three-pot here. But it's... It, and, and then we get the throne, the speech from the throne today. Oh my goodness gracious! What are these people thinking? 
You know, this is this is a, a government that said, don't worry, by the time we get to the next election, which is now, we will have a balanced budget, okay? And Charles Sousa, the finance minister, says, we've done it, we've done it, we've done it, in the last budget. And now all of a sudden her boss says, no, 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 start spending more money. Now there's an $8 billion deficit. Excuse me? Hello? Well, because we want to win, because we're in third place right now, according to a lot of polls. This is ridiculous. Then, then, and I digress, you've got Doug Ford and the progressive conservatives. They're simply saying, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to lower your taxes. I'm going to give you all the stuff that you want, but I'm not going to fire people. I'm not going to cut program costs. I'm not going to do anything like this. What world is this guy living in? Well, I don't know what world, honestly, Bill, any of them are living in. I want to read you one line, though from the throne speech, which this was the one that really stood out to me. And I didn't read the entire throne speech, I'll be honest. This one, I got to this point and it was like, okay, this is all I need to know. This is a quote. As of January 1st in Ontario, prescription drugs are absolutely free for every person under the age of 25. OHIP Plus, the Pharmacare program that is providing free medications for children and youth will be expanded to include other parts of the population. Now, that's the end of the quote. I am intrigued by this because... Unless the pharmaceutical industry has decided to be philanthropic, nothing is free. They're no. announcing that this is free medication. There's nothing free about this. This is like God, that's this, this builds on something that unfortunately is something that we have, have have grown accustomed to, not just in Ontario but right across this country. That healthcare doesn't cost us anything because we can walk into an ER, a hospital, a doctor's office. We don't get a bill for it. It's free. No, it's not. We are paying for this. And, and when they start saying, okay, pharmacare is going to be free, dental care is going to be free, no, it's not. We have to pay for it, which means at some point the government of the day, whichever one of these three people are going to do this, are going to have to find some money to do it, and they don't tell us where the money's going to come from. Well, we're going to get to that in a second, and it's free in the same way that if you go to an all-inclusive resort and pay your money up front, then everything in that resort is free, except, as you say, you, you have had to pay for it before you got there. It's like going to the Mandarin for dinner. You can eat all you want. It's all free as long as you pay your bill. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. Chatting with Bill Kelly. Yes, that Bill Kelly. Your watch is not broken. It is 6.20 in the evening, and Bill Kelly, who's usually on from 9 till 12, is here. So don't worry, your clock has not gone haywire. But we are chatting about the promises of Kathleen Wynne and Andrea Horvath, both... And Doug Ford. And Doug Ford. And and specifically the last two, only because they're in the last couple days. Very generous. Health care, dental care, student loans, child care, everything else. And Bill, before the break, you made the point, where is this money going to come from? Well, let's go through some of the usual suspects because it always happens. It starts by saying, as you said a moment ago, let's tax the rich. The problem with that is, and we've all come to, I think, come to realize this now, is that even if you tax the top, let's say, 10% of earners at 90% of their income, it still doesn't cover all the costs. There's not enough of those people to cover for all this. No. Here's the, the, look, at here's the reality. There, here's what happens when we get into the election cycle, and God bless them all, I guess. Um, <laughs> the, the people that want to run for public office, Scott, tell you what you want to hear. Okay? I don't care what political party, they're all the same. They tell you what you want to hear. In the next couple of minutes, because you always do this on the Sky Riley Show, we're going to tell people what they need to hear, okay? And here's what's going to happen uh, in this provincial election, okay? 
you as a voter, you, me, everybody who's listening to this show right now, have to determine what do you want from this government, okay? If you want lower taxes, like Doug Ford says, we're going to cut spending, we're going to lower taxes, we're going to do this, that's fine. But you know what? When government cuts taxes, that means they cut programs. What programs do you want to see cut? Do you want to see them cut the free pharmacare program they just introduced? If, if that's okay, yeah, okay. Do you want to see them cut the, uh, the, the funding now for, for tuition for underprivileged family? Okay. Do you want to see them cut some of the health care programs? If, if that's what you, uh, yeah, I don't care. Okay, let's talk about that, okay? Because you can't cut taxes without cutting programs, okay? You either do that or sell assets. We don't have a whole lot of assets. Doug, you know, Mike Harris already sold the 407 for like multi-billions of dollars. We're still paying for that. This, this is, we're not living in a wonderland here. If you want lower taxes, that means you're going to get reduced services. That means the roads and highways that you want to get fixed probably aren't going to get fixed as much. Okay, are you willing to live with that? Then fine, then let's have lower taxes. Now, the other side of that point is if you say, no, no, I want those programs. I want that, that, that pharma care program. I want to have free tuition for my kids because I'm low income then you better blame well be prepared to pay more taxes for it. The countries that have better cost of living and better quality of living, and Scandinavian countries, the U.K., European countries, yeah, they pay more taxes, but they get more services for it. It's where the money goes. So if, you, if you're going to fall into this mantle that, yeah, I'm tired of paying provincial taxes, I want lower taxes, then you better be prepared to say, okay, I can live with with crappier highways, I can live with less health care, I can live with more less money for hospitals. You know, we, we have a decision to make here. And you know what? This is a big friggin' decision. And it, it, it's not as easy as the politicians want us to make, because it depends on you and me and the kind of quality of life we're going to have. Well, and you mentioned the word wonderland, and that's where I think all of them are living. They all okay. have painted this picture of a wonderland. And Bill, you talk about Scandinavia, and a lot of people point to that, and it's a, I think it's a, a, a fair comparison to point to, to say, here, you pay more taxes. The difference is they don't have a 300 plus billion dollar deficit or debt already that they are now wanting to put more and more and more on, that becomes a problem. And I just read a piece today that uh, Moody's Investor Service was looking at what would happen to Canada if NAFTA were to fall apart. And guess what province is going to be hit the absolute hardest if something goes wrong with NAFTA? Give me me three guesses. Uh, Yeah, and they all start with O. Ontario and Ontario. Yeah, so if, if, and and now we're talking about adding more debt, and potentially, we don't know yet, now you have a situation where the province is going to be just hammered economically on top of everything else. Your talk, you use the word wonderland. I think it's a fair thing. We are not, I don't think, in a position... To be, I look at all these things as being completely unrealistic. They may be lovely to do. They may be things we want to have. I just don't know that we can afford any of them from anybody. Here's here's the thing, and 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 I'm not trying. I I, I look at. I don't have any skin in this game. Okay, I don't care what party gets elected. I just want a better deal for you and me and everybody else. Okay, and and I've seen this. I mean, I. I like, like Michael Corleone says, I've been around, okay? Uh, I saw what happened when Mike Harris came in in 1995 and said, I'm going to give you a better deal. I've got this common sense revolution. I'm going to reduce costs. Hey, what a great deal. All they did was took all the money that they, the province was spent and downloaded it onto our property taxes. Thanks a lot, Mike. That made his books look great, but you and I paid higher property taxes as a result. Sorry, that didn't work. 
And then, you know, you've got the liberals coming on and saying, no, 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 we're going to do this. We're going to make energy costs. We're going to do this. We're going to make us more energy efficient. And the cost went through the roof. The, the, these guys, it's all short-term thinking. We need somebody who's going to come in and say, look it, i got a plan. It's going to hurt for a little while, but it's going to get better. And I don't hear any of the three of them no. with any sort of a plan right now that's going to make that happen. I said that last week on the show, uh, Bill, that if Doug Ford really was going to be the Doug Ford that he's sort of following in the footsteps of his brother as getting rid of the, the fat and all this kind of stuff, he should walk up and say, look, I'm not giving you anything. We're in such a mess right now that it's going to hurt and it's going to take a while to clean things up, but don't expect anything from me. And I think that might resonate with people as opposed to, again, your idea, sadly, of the everybody has a wonderland scenario and none of it, to me, sounds realistic from Here's, any you know of the parties. Like we got 10 if, seconds, Bill. Go ahead. If, that how Doug, is that, if that's how Doug Ford feels... I want him to come right out and say, you know what, Hamilton, you're not getting an LRT. By the way, you're not getting pharmacare. You're not going to get free tuition. We're scrapping all that, but it's all for your better. And let the people judge. Instead of simply saying, I'm going to reduce your taxes, and we'll figure it out later. Uh, you know, give me a blank check. Uh, have we not learned right now that we can't do that to any government? I don't care what political stripe they are, but we seem to be falling in for that right now. We're desperate, and we're listening to, to, to platitudes instead of pragmatism, and that's, that's scary. Bill Kelly, I guarantee you you'll be hearing more about this tomorrow sometime between 9 and 12, maybe all the way from 9 to 12. I don't know. Bill, I think so. appreciate it, sir. Thanks for the time. Always a pleasure, Scotty. Thanks, bud. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. So it seems that when cannabis becomes legal eventually in this country, and it's coming sooner rather than later, everything seems to be now fully gearing up for the unveiling of the legalization. When cannabis becomes legal, the federal government says that the plan is that it will be sold in plain packaging. There's not going to be any fancy looking bags that you buy it in, no fun logos, no cartoon animals, no none of that stuff that you would say is going to make it appeal to kids or make it look really fun and lighthearted. Furthermore, on there, proposed right now, and I don't know if it's passed that it's going to be the case or just proposed, there's going to be a big red stop sign on the bag. When you buy your cannabis, there's going to be a big red stop sign, which presumably is to discourage people from using it, I think, I guess. Anyway, we've seen attempts to do all this kind of stuff with cigarettes. We've seen packaging become plainer and plainer. We've had cancer-filled mouths. We've had all this kind of stuff. Did it work there? I'm not really sure. And I'm not really sure if if that's the case. Either way, will it work with marijuana, with cannabis? Well, Julian Morris is the vice president of research for Reason Foundation, which is a nonprofit think tank advancing free minds and free markets is how it advertises itself. He joins me now. Julian, thanks for doing this today. Hi, Scott. It's a pleasure. Uh, what do you think? Is this some... Um, when you are selling cannabis, and when the day comes, when they do it, when they sell cannabis in plain packages, is this going to deter people? Is this going to stop some people from buying it because it's not really exciting and it's not uh, aesthetically appealing and, and luring people in? Does it work? Well, the evidence from those countries that have introduced plain packs uh, for cigarettes is that it doesn't have much effect on overall demand. What it does is it, is it makes it more difficult for uh, consumers to differentiate between the brands that they like and other brands. So what happens is that the manufacturers end up competing on price rather than on 
quality on brand loyalty. Um, and so it drives down price. It leads to lower quality products being um, the dominant uh, players in the market. Um, so it seems plausible that the same would happen with marijuana, although there you'd be starting from a very different base. Whereas with cigarettes, some brand loyalty has persisted. With marijuana, there are no brands yet. So what, you're, what you'd effectively be doing is prohibiting or making it much more difficult for brands to come into being, which means that you'll get fewer or less investment in, in differentiating the quality of the product from the get-go. There will be, there will be less choice, basically, um, and, and producers will primarily differentiate on the basis of price. But when, as I understand it, and again, I, I, I will admit that I'm not the marijuana or the cannabis expert in the world, um, but my understanding will be you go to the store, there will be different types, there will be different strains, I guess, or different things like that, but your seller, or at least the, the company, the company, I don't know if that's the right word, is the government. So it's not like cigarettes, is it? It won't be like cigarettes. You're buying government cannabis and so what does is, it matter is it, it uh, maybe i'm not sufficiently familiar with with how marijuana is going to be legalized in canada but where it's been legalized in the u.s say in colorado and washington there are multiple different uh, producers selling multiple different strains of of cannabis i mean hundreds of different of different strains have been developed if you go into i've been to, been into uh, one of the stores in 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 denver colorado for example and there you see a whole variety of different strains being sold with different different amounts of uh, thc which is the most psychoactive ingredients thing that gets you high and cannabidiols which is a, a, a component of cannabis uh, that uh, is is more mellow. Um, it's used it's, is a, as a medicine in many parts of the world as an anti-epileptic drug and so on. Um, so there's different amounts of those things in the different strains, uh, as well as, uh, as as different qualities to the to the strains, different smells and so on. And uh, and being able to tell consumers that your product has those different qualities would have some merit, it would seem to me. But I don't know, is that, is that not going to be the case in Canada? Is, is, in Canada, or is everything going to be branded as uh, Canadian cannabis? Well, there's going to be government cannabis stores where you can go to, essentially. Right. And, and Now, here's the thing, though. Is it, okay, even if I don't have a cartoon on the bag, if I go to a cannabis store, now you've been to the ones in Denver, you don't walk in, as I understand it, and have a shelf with all of the prepackaged little bags of all looking the same. If I've seen, uh, when I was watching on 60 Minutes and other places, they will have visible cannabis there with fun names. They'll have goofy little names. That, to me, is the same difference, isn't it? Because you're not shopping now for the for, for the bag or for something you're shopping with the name of it it's 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 mellow right. yellow or whatever else i mean the the name is in, in some sense the the basic logo the differentiating the brand differentiator so i mean it, you will get that but if 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 you want to have a really vibrant competitive market it's better to enable uh, producers to be able to differentiate themselves clearly with with logos that that can be seen uh, at, at a distance i mean it's true yeah if you go into a store in in denver you'll see a whole variety of different packages with with different names um but logos are also used 
You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. We're chatting about the idea of packaging for cannabis. If Canada, when Canada starts selling it legally soon, and they put it into plain package bags, nothing fancy, nothing exciting, nothing eye-catching, is this going to somehow deter people, diminish their desire to buy cannabis? Is it going to do anything at all? And, and Julian, we were talking about cigarettes, because cigarettes, I think, is probably the the best example of this. And we started with this off the top. Is there any empirical evidence that when they went to more plain packaging, that cigarette smoking just had significant drops as far as usage? <laughs> well, so uh, Australia is the country that have has had the longest experience with plain packaging. And the data from Australia is, is, is that actually smoking, the decline in rates of smoking uh, has leveled off in Australia since they introduced plain packaging. So there is re- literally no evidence that it's had an impact on the, the amount of cigarettes that people smoke. Now, uh, it should be noted that Australia has a strict ban on uh, e-liquid, nicotine e-liquid. So that has probably made... Australia, uh, an outlier in, in in many in many respects in terms of the the decline in smoking, uh, because in many other places, as in the UK, in uh, the US, and even in Canada, which also has something of a restriction on nicotine, um, the 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 many people have switched to e cigarettes. But anyway, if we're getting back to plain packaging, no, there's really no evidence that it has a, a significant effect on use. And I think what you'll see with the you know the warning labels and so on that are being advocated uh, by Health Canada for uh, application in in cannabis, there there will it is unlikely to be a significant de- you know a deterrent effect from having those warning labels. It might even have the opposite effect. It could. Well, so, I, yeah, I was going to ask about yeah. that. I mean, here's another thing: is I read a piece today. I was reading a story today about Netflix. Now I'll get to why I mentioned Netflix. Apparently, there is a lot of smoking going on on Netflix shows. Some There's a group that is saying, look, there is way more smoking on shows produced by Netflix than in regular television. And they're very concerned that kids who are watching Netflix shows are going to take up the habit. Apparently, seeing people smoke, they believe, will lead other people to try smoking. Well, if that's true, shouldn't rather than packaging, shouldn't the big concern be on the numerous and growing numbers of representations on in our media of people smoking joints? That would seem to be a bigger problem than, than the packaging. So, I mean, I think the question has to be asked, what is the objective here? And, I mean, if the objective is to discourage people who are not supposed to be smoking or otherwise consuming marijuana, cannabis, from consuming it, then the, then public information campaigns uh, are going to be much more helpful than imposing packaging restrictions. Uh, of, of course, those public information campaigns themselves must be valid. I mean, there, there are numerous examples of, of campaigns to try and discourage youth from consuming uh, illegal substances that have backfired. Um, so one, one has to be very cautious in in in, in uh, suggesting that sort of approach. Um, but I think improving. I mean, first of all, le- when when marijuana cannabis is is legal in Canada, there is almost certainly going to be much bigger discussion about uh, about the, the the merits and and drawbacks of consuming it. And one would hope that parents realizing that this stuff is now legal will um, will get better informed 
and encourage their kids to be better informed. Uh, it, it, I, I would certainly be cautious about uh, uh, about it for my kids um, and, and, and encourage them to, to steer clear of it, frankly, until they're rather older, because there is evidence that uh, if you use marijuana from a very early age, especially tetrahydrocannabinoids from a very early age, then, then you can have an effect on your brain. Okay, so get informed and, and encourage a, 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 a sensible discussion about it. Um, don't presume that, that your attempt to restrict access is going to be 100% uh, successful and don't think that labelling the product uh, with, with warning labels will actually deter kids. Well, we know, we, know, we know what teenage kids are like. Yeah, we do. You put on a warning label, that's a thing. Hey, i got to do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And there's one other thing that's very confusing about this. They have said they're going to be putting a stop sign on the bag. And if I'm reading a stop sign, that to me says danger or don't do it or something. And yet we know that our federal government and our provincial governments here clearly want as many people as possible to be using this stuff because they're already talking <laughs> about budgets of $6 billion that they yeah. have already well, budgeted for things. They don't want nobody to take this stuff because they want all that revenue coming in. So they're on the one hand, they're saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But on the other hand, they're saying, oh, please, please do it. Please do it. You know, I, 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 in, in, in the U.S., there's, there, there's, a, there's a crisis now uh, about, the, about opioids. With, yes, uh, here too. A, a, a dramatic increase in the number of people dying from overdoses of, of fentanyl and heroin and so on. Um, there's evidence that in states that have legalized uh, marijuana and, and even just have medical marijuana, the incidence of opioid deaths is, is, has, has not risen at nearly the same rate, suggesting that people are choosing uh, cannabis over, over heroin um, or sh- switching away from, from opioids by using marijuana. So if you put a warning label on this product saying don't use it, are you saying that, that it's as harmful as some of these other <laughs> um, uh, things I mean, that, that, are, that are currently illegal? I mean, the harm from opioids is largely a result of their being uh, uh, made illegal and people then con- consuming unknown quantities. Of yeah, them. this this sounds like they're putting a stop sign on it with their fingers crossed behind their back because we don't really mean it. Please use as much as possible. We desperately need your tax dollars to pay for all the stuff we've already budgeted. Julian Morris, wish we could go on and on. Really appreciate it. A Vice President of Research from Reason Foundation, Julian Morris, thanks for your time tonight. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. I don't know if you are a basketball, college basketball fan. March Madness, of course, is on right now. You have to be aware of it if you're Everyone's aware of above it. the grass. Well, and if you've had your TV on any time on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and you were flipping around, you would have at the very least passed by and gone, why is there so much basketball on? Well, it's because the U.S. National College Tournament, Playdown Tournament, is on. I think most people know what March Madness is. Anyway, here's a question that I got thinking about this. You have the last place, the last qualifying team in the tournament, UMBC. I have to say it slowly because I can never get it straight. UMBC, University of of Maryland, Baltimore County, a school no one had ever heard of before Thursday. No, before Friday it was. Friday they won. And they became the first team ever because there's four groups and you're seeded from one to 16, one plays 16, two plays 15. First time ever a number 16 seed beat a number one seed. And in fact, in this particular case, the number one seed, there's four number one seeds from the four different brackets. This was the top seed in the whole tournament. It was the biggest upset in college basketball history, probably. That's the background. 
question is, everybody was so excited about this. And I get it. I was watching too. Why do we love underdogs? We should, should we not love excellence and love greatness? That should to me be the, logically, that should be the way it works. But we love underdogs. Why do we love the underdogs so much? I think we like both. We talked about uh, Tiger Woods last week. They like it that he's a bit of an underdog now, but they also loved it when he was a champion. Some. I think, yeah, but a lot. I mean, TV viewership, everybody wasn't watching the last two weeks to watch him lose. There was a lot cheering for him. A lot used to watch to watch him lose. But to to reference your underdog, I think because most of us view ourselves as underdogs. So we're kind of cheering for ourselves. A lot of us know, right. know we can't play in the NBA. We can't play play Major League Baseball. Just read an article this afternoon about Jacques Mayotte that used to play in the old Colonial League. and I remember that name. Yeah, t- one of the toughest guys, him and Bruce Ramsey, used to uh, beat up a lot of people. But he played five games in the NHL and only played Junior B. Hmm. And what a great story for a guy that ended up in Texas, still lives there now. He's an underdog. I mean, everybody likes the story of the guy that made it to the majors and didn't go the conventional way because we view ourselves as that. Okay, Tiger Woods, and it's a good example because we did talk about it last week. Tiger Woods, though, I think is the, and I don't know why this is the case, Tiger Woods is the rare case of a great player, the greatest player that people really cheer for. Unless you're a New York Yankees fan and the Yankees are good, nobody cheers for the Yankees. Same with the Red Sox. Unless you're a Montreal Canadiens fan back in the day when they were winning all the time or whatever, nobody cheers for them other than their own fans and on and on. There are few people that say, I am going to, um, that my support is going to align with excellence with dynastic excellence. I want to go for the team. And maybe your point is right. Maybe it's because we see, we like to think of our, all think of ourselves as underdogs. But look, even people who aren't underdogs in real life like the underdog. Does that just mean that we all, even when when we're not an underdog, we still think of ourselves? I don't know. I just, I, I found it fascinating that Virginia was, who lost, was which lost, was a very, very good team all year. There wasn't, other than their fans, there wasn't one person in that arena who didn't want to see them lose. What's the basketball team that the... Uh, the Washington Generals? No. <laughs> <laughs> who play the Globetrotters and lost 12,000 games in a row? The, the real McCoys were like a couple nights this year. <laughs> no, the the young, the one young nurse girl that plays and... UConn. Uh, UConn. UConn. And nobody ever... Like the UConn fans love them, but you got to know everybody's cheering for the other team, no matter who it is. UConn won a game in the, I think the first game of the tournament in their, in the women's March Madness. I'd have to look up the score here. I'll do it. But I think it was 140 to 50 something. They're just, they are an unbelievable machine. They are just a fantastic team. The fact that they actually lost the championship game last year was stunning because they'd won, I don't know how many. In but a row. it made all kinds of NCAA women's basketball fans happy. Uh, it probably did. It probably did. Right? There and are those UConn will be one of those teams that unless you go to UConn or your best friend plays for the team, you likely don't like them. The Montreal Canadiens, um, when they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 70s like a rented mule on a regular basis, I'd have been happy if they never won a Stanley Cup again. But you're right. See, it's just 
they were the favorites and nobody liked them. Uh, UConn won, by the way, 140 to 52 over St. Francis back on Saturday. 140 to 52. Apparently, if they had stopped scoring, if they did not score another point after the first quarter, they still would have won the game. Sounds like they slacked off. Well, I think they probably put in all their uh, bench players. The problem is their bench players likely could they be likely starting could have everywhere started, else. Yeah, they could have started everywhere else. They probably could have started their second second string team. Yep. yep. I just, and won. I, I, I find it so fascinating. I, I say it's a psychological thing. It's a, it's a social, I don't know what it is. Well, we the, all love. Again, look at the stories we talk about. You know, this guy didn't start playing basketball till he was in high school. Oh, yeah. we know. We, or he didn't, you know, he played one year of high school and then he went on to play in university. No doubt. There's no doubt off. those are the stories we We love. all have friends or relatives that we think got screwed over by a coach because that kid for sure would have played in the National Hockey League. That, I can tell you, never happens. Well, there's a Be- couple, but not many. Not at the Bantam level. No, not at the Bantam level. You know, there, he had no, a coach, he had a coach in, in Bantam. If he had, if he had a better coach in Bantam, he'd have played in the NHL. Oh, I can tell you. Oh, there I'm are, sure that's true. I'm telling you, there are kids who I coached when they were tyke who, if I had been a better coach, might have had a chance. <laughs> 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 I destroyed their careers when they were seven. Um, but, I mean, there are pro coaches that you can look at like that. Who you well, say that happens. You it's, didn't give a guy a chance or, you you know, and oh, that get, happens for sure. But, but, but they still play because they get traded and then they flourish somewhere else because somebody sees something. In there's it. no doubt that we all love the story. And uh, you're right. We tell the stories. We write the stories. We talk about the stories. We, we make movies. about. I mean, one of the... George Plimpton. George, well, one of the best, <laughs> most popular, most beloved sports movies of all time is Rudy. Yeah, the absolute underdog story of a of a guy who at Notre Dame University who was about five foot two, I don't know how tall he was, and he but he was tiny and he couldn't <laughs> play football and he finally but he sticks around and sticks around and finally gets his chance. We love that stuff. I just don't know why. I would guess right now that there are. I hate going back to hockey all the time, but it's easy for me. There's lots of hockey fans that are kind of ambivalent. They're you know they may live around here. They're not great Toronto Maple Leaf fans. I would think, deservedly so, that Las Vegas Golden Knights have 10 times more fans now than the Carolina Hurricanes do. Just but they're because, not underdogs. No, but they're not supposed to win. No, they're, they're an not. expansion team. <coughs> they're, they're like a, when you're not supposed to win and you win, does that make you an underdog? When, you're, when you go to Vegas, where they're from, and your odds are a thousand to one to get to the the Stanley Cup Finals, and you do. You're an underdog, and they're not. They're in first place. That's they're, that's. They're flirting you, know, you just touched on one. That's one of the more interesting. I don't know what the definition of that team is. I don't know if the Vegas Knights, Vegas Golden Knights, are an underdog, because yes, they're an expansion team, so they should be an underdog. But from day one of the season, they've been dominating the league which kind of removes that underdog status. Any other team in the league plays like they do. There's not an, they're not an underdog. Here's how some of that happens. But make no mistake, any expansion team that's ever come into a pro sports league has always been the underdog. Now, there's a lot to be said for the fact that if they're going to charge them 500 or $600 million, they should at least not tie one arm behind their back. Which so they, they didn't this time. Which they didn't. For the first time ever, they didn't. The problem with the Vegas Golden Knights is there's only one place to go now. They better be good next year because they've set the bar awfully high. I thought, you meant, I thought you meant Carson City. 
No, <laughs> they've got all kinds of draft picks. I mean, they're yeah. set up. I mean, they traded. They could be. They traded could be. a bunch of guys for draft picks. They can now build their farm system. Did everybody have a career year? Maybe, but they were underdogs. They have all kinds of fans. Now, not every underdog is cheered for. I don't know, and, and maybe that's background stuff. Maybe that's that's tradition, or that's that's it's been built on something. I mean, right now, you would argue that the Ottawa Senators are an underdog because of where they are in the standings. They've had a terrible year, blah, blah. I don't see a lot of people across this country saying, oh, I really hope the Senators get the first overall draft pick in the NHL, this Swedish superstar player. I don't hear anybody saying that. To the contrary, a lot of people are like, I hope the Ottawa Senators get lose the draft entirely and get the last guy. That's So just because you may be down doesn't make you an underdog though. It's a very, it's, it's a really interesting, I, I'd love to know, I didn't look it up before we came. It's something I'm going to check out. I'd love to know if people have actually ever done psychological studies or explanations of the whole underdog thing. Of course, somebody, somebody must some have. University somebody must it. have. Why do we love the underdog? Even though as I say, on Friday, there is nobody who had ever even heard of UMBC. They couldn't even put those letters in the same, in the proper order. There's nobody that had ever heard of them. I don't, even, I don't even know what it spells. University of Maryland, Baltimore County. <laughs> That's what it was. UNLV, we know UNLV. Yep. We don't know UMBC. Well, it doesn't spell the more I say, The more I say it, the more I get to say it quicker because I can remember it now, but... <laughs> But we didn't even know these guys. It's even hard to consider them an underdog. We don't even know who they are. Anyway, I'm going to ask you something. You know, when you finished last, you talked about the Ottawa Senators. I, you brought these guys up, the Washington Generals. Yep. I mean, nobody must, wanted them to win. They must have had me as their general manager because they would have picked first every year. Well, there's only two teams, and the Globetrotters got the first pick and the second and the third and okay. the fourth. <laughs> and you know, the Washington Generals were basically going to the Y. And saying, hey, you, fat guy, <laughs> want to play basketball for a couple of weeks? Leave me out of this. Uh, I, yeah, and, and there's an underdog that nobody, to the contrary, nobody cheered for them. And the one time, because they did, they finally won a game against the Globetrotters. And I'm sure that kids were leaving the arena crying. Nobody wanted that underdog to win. Who? Those kids were demolished. Can you imagine the poor kids that went to see Meadowlark Lemon and Curly Neal and they lost? Who's the best uh, basketball player on Hamilton City Council? Talking this, about the Washington Generals. Uh, I don't know. Who? Jason Farr. He's the best basketball sure. player? He played basketball all the way through high school. Got to be. He's 12 foot 6. Well, he is. He looks good now. He's lost 80 pounds. Has he? Yeah. I haven't seen great. Jason in a while. Well, see, maybe he's back on the court. Jason, the basketball underdog. <laughs> see everybody be cheering for them. He can use that in his next election campaign. I am now your underdog. <laughs> You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. Don Robertson in studio as he is every Monday from 7 till 8. And Don, uh, yesterday the Raptors, sticking with basketball for a moment, different reason though. Uh, Raptors were playing Oklahoma City and they lost the game and they... At the end, well, throughout the game and then at the end of the game, they were steaming at the officiating. They were hot at the officiating. And the reason, best I can sort out why they were so mad at the officials, wasn't just that they missed, they thought that the officials missed some calls. 
it's because they feel, and a lot of people feel in the NBA, like when you are an established team, you get calls. When you're not an established team, when you're a bad team or a rookie player or whatever, you don't get the calls. When you're an established team, a winning team, a top team or a top player, you get the calls. That's what refs are supposed to do for you, seems to be the the belief. Should that be the case? Should good teams on close calls, should referees be giving the benefit of the call to the star, to the good player, to the good team? Is that how it works? No. You've been a ref? No. Yes, you have been a ref. I've been a ref. No, you don't. You don't give. Uh, you can't give the team the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you can't give them an extra call. So if there's contact in the lane when a guy drives to the basket, and this is what it was yesterday, you don't give the star player the benefit of the doubt that well, it's well, a foul they, on him as opposed to. They oftentimes the referees will give the star player a bit more latitude than the rookie, out of respect. Michael Jordan used to run over top of guys or get. Well, Michael Jordan traveled on Soft. almost every layup he made. Well, he started his dunk from his own end. I know. That's the, the ball never touched the floor. Yeah, I there mean, were times when you said, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess... Jordan's one thing. That's a little bit, that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> but you get that. I'm sure Wilt Chamberlain got it. I'm sure LeBron gets it. And the only thing I took out of what the Raptors did yesterday by bitching and whining about the officiating, shut up. It's going to bite you later. You are going to make a run in the playoffs. Just quietly let them know, saying, you know what? You should treat us as an equal to those guys now. We're in first place. We've won 12 in a row. We deserve that. But don't tell everybody you think that you got jobbed because you're going to run into that same crew or somebody on that crew. And I can tell you one thing, everybody in the NBA fraternity of refereeing knows that the Raptors bitched and whined about getting jobbed or in their opinion. Don't show up the officials when you plan on making a long playoff run. But should officials, and I agree with you, I I agree, it doesn't seem to be helping your cause to tick everyone off. If this is game five of a playoff series, knock yourself out. Let them know if you think that'll make a difference, but game whatever, when you've already, you know, you're well in front in the East, there's no point. What are you gaining out of it? Well, that's what I... Gain a little respect from the officials and eat it. You're blowing steam is what you're doing. And you are telling people that you think that because you're the one Canadian team that the officials have it in for you. And I don't know, do they? See, here's the thing about the NBA that I've never agreed with. I've never believed that what a lot of people believe. Same with baseball. I've never believed that somehow an edict has been passed down from head office to say, don't let the Canadian team win. Whatever you do, don't let the Canadian team win. I've never believed well, they're not the, putting it in writing, that's for sure. But I've ne- I don't even think they've called the refs or pulled them into the office or into the hallway and said, hey, if the Raptors get ahead, like really stick it to them. I don't believe that's ever been the case. Well, not before the finals. No. They're into the finals. How, how, so if, if there's a conspiracy theory I don't believe in there, a conspiracy theory. Not with that then, one. Then you got to know the National Hockey League do not relish a Winnipeg-Ottawa final in the Stanley Cup. Hey, they had an Ottawa-Anaheim final. Now, Anaheim's a big market outside L.A., but they've had it before. Yeah, how happy were they were about it? They've had a Calgary, they had an Edmonton-Carolina final not that long ago. Yeah, it was a Game 7 in Carolina. That's not the two most popular media outlets. And it wasn't the the Edmonton Oilers of Wayne Gretzky when, I mean, could you imagine today? It's Todd Harvey. I know. And as great as Todd Harvey was, he wasn't quite... Wayne Gretzky, 
Nobody got him to Game 7. He did. But my point was, could you imagine today with TV ratings and everything else, if those Edmonton Oilers teams of the 80s were on now, what the ratings for that team oh. would be? People would just love to watch them. It'd be like watching Woods. It, it would be. Right. But the point is, there. I, I just don't believe that officials in any sport have, consp- maybe soccer in Europe in some places, and we know that's the case. We We know that's the case. But otherwise, I don't believe there's a conspiracy against either. certain teams. I just don't. Could there be other reasons why a referee makes a call against a team that he's, could it be possible that he's intimidated by a building? Those, maybe, those by a player, soccer maybe. referees' calls have got a lot more to do with bets on the no, game that's what than I mean. who they want there. That, right? No, that's what I mean. And, and it's not all. And certain, maybe against the best team. Whatever it is, it's never, there have been cases of acknowledged verified soccer match fixing either by officials or otherwise. We know that's the case. And we know there was at least one referee in the NBA and he got caught and he got drummed out very quickly. I just don't believe that it exists widespread, if at all, in the major leagues in North America. It's not widespread, but, you know, every official is human. So when you get enough of them, there's going to be one that you prefer wasn't there. Okay, but even the human thing where you say, okay, there was a mistake... Because there are mistakes that are still made. No one's arguing there aren't mistakes, but they are human. You're That's right. That's why we have replay. Oh, don't start there. But the fact is, I don't believe that you've got, I don't believe that the referees that were doing the Raptors game showed up and said, okay, today's our day. We're really going to stick it to the Raptors. I don't believe that's the case. Yeah, we're going to stop this winning home, this winning streak dead right now. And you know, the funny part about it is, both the Raptors and the Blue Jays, we've heard this before. And while... It's true that Raptors and Blue Jays TV ratings don't impact on American TV ratings. And that's a negative because the American TV networks want their teams in the big games. It's we a know business. That. It's a we business. know that. The flip side is there is no team in the NBA or in Major League Baseball that has a fan base, a city, home city base as big as Canada. And Good both point. of those teams are national teams. And so you're looking, okay, we, we want the LA team to win. Well, that will help your TV ratings. I'm not going to dispute that. But having an entire country interested in this helps you in other ways too. Yeah, but Denny's aren't going to advertise much. No, no. And it may not be as directly as saying that we can tie it directly to TV ratings, but there will be other areas where you can take advantage of this this team, the growth of international, the online presence, all kinds of other ways. It doesn't make any sense to me when I listen to the arguments that they would say, yeah, we're going to actually risk the credibility of our entire league. Because if you have a league that ever gets caught fixing games, so it's not a legitimate sport. If you ever had a league that got caught, your league is toast. You're going to risk the entire credibility and future and honesty of your sport on trying to have a basketball team lose a regular season game for what? It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. Do you think wrestling is real? <laughs> what kind of wrestling? Olympic wrestling? I hope so. No, I think. But Mc- professional McMahon? wrestling? You think, uh, you think Hulk was, Hulk's Hogan? Oh, I think Hulk Hogan legitimately won every one of his matches. I was especially amazed when he came back to beat Andre the Giant in the body slam match. That, to me, was a <laughs> feat of sports history. No, of course. I mean, look, it's... it's um, Maybe not a real league. 
athletic, perhaps. Yeah. I couldn't lift up Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant sometimes couldn't lift himself up. <laughs> anyway, I just, uh, as I say, I, 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 when I hear the complaining about this, the first question that comes to mind, the first thought is, no, there's no conspiracy despite what some people think. But the second one is, should they be getting more calls? Not because it's a conspiracy, just because you're now a good team. And so when it's a toss-up one way or the other, we're going to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, tie goes to the runner in baseball, even though there's no such thing as a tie. Tie goes to the good team or the star player in basketball. I think it goes to the star player uh, on occasion. I'm not sure. It happens in hockey. Obviously, sure. Happens in hockey. You know, Gretzky, high stick, uh, Gilmore, cost Toronto Stanley Cup. How many how many suspensions did Chris Pronger have that should have been long yeah. suspensions that weren't? Or how many times has Alex Ovechkin run a guy from behind into the boards and jumped into his check? And well, we can't really suspend Alex Ovechkin. They uh, they do, and 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 as an extension of that, the team benefits without question. But I don't think it's a team thing. I think it's. You know, let LeBron get away with this. Let Michael Jordan get away with that. And in, uh, like I say, as an extension, the Bulls and whatever team LeBron's playing for this week take advantage of it. Yes, I would. If for basketball fans, honestly, I just I, I let's wait till the playoffs and see if the officials truly stick it to the Raptors, which I don't expect. Which I don't expect. Which is why I said they should have saved it. They should have ate it. They shouldn't have. There have been a couple, I'm not going to lie, there have been a couple times when the Raptors have been playing against LeBron James. There have been some players, no doubt, in NBA history that get the benefit of almost every call. But they, you can count them usually on one finger every era. Michael Jordan got every call. LeBron gets every call. You know this is going to happen. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson pretty much got most of their calls. But it's not everybody. It's that's just, and I, I don't think that it's even the refs intending. I don't think the refs sit in the referee's room and go, "All right, we got to give LeBron the calls." He's no. LeBron James. You're just he's he's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger, and he's a superstar. And I think subconsciously you go, "Oh well, that was fine." Yeah, it only happened because he's big and strong and fast. The guy got in the way, and he's the best player. Who am I to say LeBron didn't do that right? Even though they're officials, so I no, it's it's. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see if in the playoffs anything goes bad for the Raptors as far as like strings, not just a call, strings yeah. of horrible calls. It'll have to be a total conspiracy theory. Then we can have the conspiracy talk, but I've never seen that happen. I've never even, seen. I haven't seen it, and it won't happen. No, I've never seen. You know what the one time? There's only been one time that I can think of in my recent past, and yours too, and everyone else listening, where I saw a string of calls so obviously misguided that you wondered. And that was, was it Salt Lake City, the women's hockey championship between Canada and the States when the Norwegian or the Finnish or Swedish referee called like 12 penalties in a row against Canada? That was the one time when you said, okay, what's going on here? The rest of it, it's pretty hard to make a case. That might have been intimidation and lack of qualifications. Yeah. Like if you if you remember the uh, Canada Cups and everything else that were being played here, and they bring over the odd Soviet referee and sw- Swedish referee, when it got down to the end of it, they didn't mind if a Canadian refereed it because they knew they'd get a fair job. Well, the, now you just reminded me of another one. If you go back to 1972, Botter and Kampala, 
the uh, the German and uh, I think they were the two East German referees who did the games in Moscow. No, oh, who's the other guy? Who who JP Parise wanted to uh, raise a stick and was going to chop his head off with. That was another one. It was because they called them. It was it was Kampala and Batter, and they called them Batter and Worse. <laughs> <laughs> The Scott Radley Show. The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.